turn in God's Word again to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, as we consider this attribute of God that defines His very being. God is love. There's another aspect of that love that John points out to us through the Holy Spirit in 1 John chapter 4 that we need to delve into this morning. Lord willing, uh, as we reflect upon this, this also will bring about uh, our discussion in this passage of the dilemma that we then face, or supposed dilemma. How is it that if we have this loving God, this God who is love, we see a world that is filled with so much evil, so much loss, so much pain, so many problems and difficulties, even like honking horns in the parking lot. So we turn to 1 John chapter 4, I'll begin reading at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love his brother. For if he does not love his brother whom he has seen, he cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's again bow our hearts and our minds before the Lord. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this portion of your word that was read and heard read this morning. 
pray that your spirit would bless that unto our hearts and draw us closer to you. Lord, we thank you for the word that you have given us, that we can come to know you better. Lord, we will never understand all about you, but help us this morning to learn more about your perfect love that you have and that you are. Give Pastor Bob the words to speak today, the wisdom to recall what he has studied in this week, that he might tell it to us, and that that would draw each of us closer together, that we would love one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We want to look at four things from this passage, first of all, this morning. Uh, The definition of perfect love. What is this thing? Perfect love drives out fear. What do we mean by that? What, What does Scripture mean by perfect love? Secondly, the demonstration of perfect love that John gives to us here. He shows us what perfect love is. Thirdly, the declaration of perfect love. What does perfect love do? And third, fourthly then, the dilemma of perfect love. So the definition, the demonstration, the declaration, and the dilemma. What is perfect love? And we might be tempted to say, well, it's sinless love. After all, if God is love, then then the love that God has must be sinless. And that would be a true statement. But that's not the meaning that we have here. We would say perhaps it's pure, Uh, thinking not only in terms of how it's carried out, but the motivation of it. Is God's love a pure love? Yes, it is. There is no doubt about it. If it's God's love, then it has to be pure, but that's not really the meaning of perfect love. So maybe we'd say holy, maybe we'd say sovereign, yes, certainly. Perfect love must be those things because God is love. But that's not really what the word here means. Here, the idea of perfect love means complete. It means full. It means not lacking. It means that it is never used up. You you can't exhaust this love because it's a perfect love. When when God loves, he doesn't love less in his love tank. There isn't less. He's not diminished because he loves you or because he loves that person or because he loves that person. Sometimes I I wonder if perhaps uh, the reason we we are not so evangelistic as we should be in this world, is because maybe we think that's what happens. Well, God loves me, but if God's going to love that other guy over there, then God's going to love me less. So in some sort of selfish way, we keep the good news of the gospel to ourselves because if, if we have more people, then God must love us less. No, no, God is sovereign. God is holy. God is self-sufficient. You can't drain the love of God. So it's complete. It's not lacking. It's full. It's matured, perhaps we would say. That's what the word here means. Actually, we have heard this word before. Not in this form. But we have heard it. 
We have heard it piercing through the darkness. We have heard it in the midst of God's judgment. We have heard it from the mouth of Jesus. When Jesus upon the cross cries out, It is finished! It's the same root word. That idea of a finished is that which is here. Perfect, finished love, completed love, full love, mature love, a non-lacking love. It is that love, that love, cast out fear. The perfect love. John tells us how we see that. Look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9 tells us the following. In this, the love of God was made manifest, displayed, showed, demonstrated. How does God demonstrate his perfect, complete, full, matured love, his finished Love for us. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. How? That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That shows us that God sending Christ into the world, that God sending Jesus to be our Savior, demonstrates to us what perfect love is. He mentions it not only in verse 9. Note he mentions it again in 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Sent his son. How, How do we see love? God sending his son. But then John says, let let me demonstrate it even more so. Yes, that demonstrates God's love. But if God is sending us the Savior at our request, because we said, hey, we need a Savior. We need a Lord. We we need somebody to rescue us. Does that diminish the love of God? John says it would. Because what true love is, is that God sent his son to us. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. There was no display on our part. There was no display on the part of humanity that said we want a savior. In fact, if we're looking for the display of what humanity does in the midst of its suffering, in the midst of its curse, what does it do? Genesis chapter 3, it runs and hides from God. It doesn't seek God. It runs away from God. It is afraid of God. We are told that. That Adam was afraid of God. But what happened? 
Did, did Adam get down on his knees and say, God, we're so sorry. We, we ate of the apple you commanded us not to. Did they seek God? No. But God came to them with the promise of a Savior. How does Paul describe it? While we were yet his enemies... Christ died for us. Want to see a demonstration of perfect love? There it is. While we are the enemies of God, God loves us before we loved him. Before we loved him, God sent his son. Before we loved him, Christ died for us. Perfect love. Complete agape. Selfless sacrifice for those who don't deserve it. The definition, the demonstration. But then comes that declaration, verse 18. Right? There is no fear in this love because perfect love casts out fear. This perfect love that God has for us in Christ. What does that do? It casts out fear. Fear of what? Fear of God's judgment. Fear of the fact that I am under the judgment of God. That's what Adam is running away from. He knows he's sinned, and he's running away. He's hiding. But perfect love casts out that fear. That fear of God's judgment now and for all eternity. Not just for the moment, but for all of eternity. And not just for all of eternity, but for now. It cast out the fear of God's judgment. It cast out the fear of God's punishment. Oh, God's going to really nail me for this. God's going to really get me for this. Oh, there's a real price to be paid for this one. Perfect love cast out fear. Fear of God's wrath. Fear of God's rejection. Fear of God's condemnation. Perfect love. When we reflect upon the perfect love of God. For you and for me demonstrated in the fact that while we were still his enemies, he sent his son to die upon us to say, it is finished. Drives out fear. That's what perfect love does. Why does it do that? Because when we understand what this he sent his son to die for us means. Well, John actually gives it to us, doesn't he? He uses that that funny word, that word propitiation. That, That Christ has come and been the propitiation for us, meaning that God has been appeased. 
God is satisfied fully, completely. Being in Christ, being covered with the righteousness of Christ, do I have to pay any price for my sin? No. If I think for a moment there is still some price I need to pay, I have just spit upon Jesus Christ and the cross. I've said that's nothing. Because Bob Van Mana needs to do something. Bob Van Mana needs to pay a price for that sin. And Bob needs to pay for it because Christ couldn't do it all. That wasn't big enough. That wasn't complete enough. I got to add to it. Something else has to happen. Something else in regards to my sin. There's got to be something added yet. Something else has to happen. You've just distorted the gospel. You've just changed the word of God. You've just diminished Christ's work of justification. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus is the propitiation. God is appeased. God is satisfied. God says that's enough. I take it as full payment for Bob's sin. Only the blood of Christ. Nothing, nothing but the blood. Perfect love drives out, you see, that fear. Oh, there's still judgment. That doesn't mean there isn't judgment. Of course, we, we can go to John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, okay? Right? You know what one word we forget to really emphasize is the word so. For God so loved the world. How did God so love the world? He gave his son. He demonstrates his love by giving of his son. But the very next two verses speak about the fact, but if you reject Christ, if you turn from Christ, if you do not embrace Christ, you're condemned. And all that judgment falls upon you. And you got to pay for all of an eternity in hell. For every sin. That's the gospel. That's the message we are to go out with. For God so loved the world. How did he love us? He sent his son to die. So that what? So that all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But if you reject that. Oh it's all okay. You'll still make it in. No. If you reject that, then every single sin you have committed, you're going to need to pay for. And guess what? You're never, 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 never going to appease the wrath of God. That's what makes the gospel such a glorious proclamation. That's what the church is to proclaim to the world. For God so loved, he gave his son. To what? To be the propitiation, to be the satisfaction of all our sin. The declaration of perfect love. Yes, it drives out fear. But it also is a cause. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love. Oh, there it is. We love. Why? Because he first loved us. This perfect love of God that drives out fear is the cause, is the motivation, is the reason, is the core of why it is that we are called to love one another. Why we are called to love our fellow brother and sister in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have felt, we have experienced, and we have knowledge of the perfect love of God. It's interesting, I think it's three times in 1 John chapter 4, the word perfected means continued on. In other words, God's love is perfect. Our love is one that needs to be perfected. We need to keep working on this. And the more we love, the more we love, the more we love, the more the perfect love of God resides in our hearts and in our minds. The less we love, the more we doubt. The more we love, the less we doubt. The more we're absorbed in ourselves, the less we're absorbed in the perfect love of God. We love. See, that's why John, in this book continually urges, urges, urges. You need to be loving. You need to be loving one another. What did Jesus urge us? We need to even be loving our enemies. How did that passage end? Be perfect. That's why I read the whole chapter, because the chapter ends with be perfect. How? What what does Jesus mean, be perfect? Be full, be complete. How? By loving. By loving enough to demonstrate to the world your willingness to sacrifice. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 isn't just telling us the wonderful things about Jesus emptying himself and becoming a servant. He's urging us to do the same. Perfect love drives out fear. The blessing of that, but it is also the cause for our loving of one another. And make no mistake, we can't skirt this. Make no mistake, because John doesn't. This isn't optional. This isn't, hey, I can pass a theology exam, but I can't pass a love exam. That don't cut it. If we don't love our brother, who we see, then we can't love God, who we cannot see. This is not optional. This is not a, well, yeah, some people just are unloving, you know, so that's okay. I'm excused from that. No, we're not. No, we're not.
Because if that were the criteria, I would not be loved by God. And I got news for you, nor would you. Because there isn't all that much lovable about us. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were unlovable, he loved us. By sending us his son. It is to be the cause of our love. Not, oh, I'll, I'll do this nice deed because that earns me some brownie points. No, it doesn't earn you any brownie points. In fact, if you do it with that attitude, it's a takeaway. Because now again, you're negating the work of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you, said Jesus. But that brings us to the dilemma, doesn't it? This dilemma that just kind of percolates in the background. The dilemma of this perfect love. Why then? Why then? If, if that is true, if all that you have said about God is love for the past two weeks, Pastor Bob, how is it that there is so much pain and suffering and death in this world? Why is it that there is so much evil? Five things. One, we've got to go back to Genesis. Once again, okay, basically every problem, every issue of life that we face today in this world is solved in Genesis. And if you have a bad view of Genesis, you've got a bad view of what's going on in the world. Right? Ladies heard that pretty clearly yesterday, right? And he made them male and female. That's it. No other options. That's it. All the confusion of our society today, based upon what? Not believing Genesis. Why do we struggle with this thing of the love of God? Because we don't understand Genesis. So let me briefly take us through it and bring in this question that's percolating. First of all, God's creation is pronounced by God as being very good. So when God is done with the creation week, everything is very good. There is no death, there is no decay, there are no diseases, there are no stray chromosomes, there are no oddities. Everything is as it should be. It is very good. It is pleasing to the one who has perfect love. It is holy, it is pure. There aren't animals gouging one another. There isn't blood splattered all over the place by Tyrannosaurus Rex as he goes after some other smaller, less defensible. There aren't sharks eating away at other things. It's all very good. Trees aren't dying. Plants aren't decaying. It's all very good. It's all very good. But God in his infinite wisdom 
created a, a man and a woman. And he created them very good also. He created them without sin. He created them perfect. But he gave to them freedom. Because you see, if God is coerced into loving us, that's not love. See, the very definition of love is voluntarily self-sacrificing. God demonstrates his love in that he gives to Adam a free will. And he gives to Adam liberty. Adam, there is the tree. I put the choice before you because love can only be love if it is freely chosen. It's an act of God's love that that tree is there. It's an act of God's emptying himself, knowing very well what's going to happen. He knows very well what's going to take place, but he is willing to do so because love without sacrifice is not love. So he gives to man freedom. A free will, and he gives to man liberty. There is no coercion, there is no forcing him. Man can do either obedience or disobedience. God has declared that if you eat of this tree, though, things are going to change. This world is not going to be in the same world. Death will enter in, and all that flows from death. All the problems that we could generate all flow from this one thing. Death has entered into this world. God gave to Adam that choice. And it was God's right to do so. God is holy, without sin. God is almighty, God is all-knowing, God is sovereign. It's God's right to do so because God is God alone. And we are his creation. We are the products of his divine hand. And it was God's right to say, Adam, you're my representative. For every single solitary human being who had ever lived. Because you see, God is all-knowing. Remember that from a couple of weeks? God is all-knowing. You know what God knows? God knows that if in that garden, instead of a guy named Adam, he had made a guy named Bob, Bob would have done the same thing Adam did. And you can insert your own name. God knows, because he's all-knowing. So therefore, he just takes Adam and he says, you're the representative of the entire human race. You're the covenant head. You represent every single human being that shall ever inhabit planet Earth. And God can do that, because not one of us can say, hey, if I was there, I wouldn't have done that. How do we know that? Because we don't know all. God does. And God says, 
Yes, you would. So what Adam did is what I would do. What Adam did is what each one of you would do. We all would have done the exact same thing Adam did. So what happened? Sin enters into God's very good creation. Sin enters into man's freedom and liberty. So that although man is still free, never coerced to do anything by God, never forced to do anything by God, he's also in a box. He's lost his liberty. He's lost his liberty to do that which is good and right and holy and pure. So what does God do? God calls. Adam! (laughs) I'm sure that voice of God was not calming and reassuring to Adam that day. I'm sure it's not like, oh, good, God's here. Wonderful, this is great. I think it's all God's here. Isn't that going to be a good day? And everything, my friends, that you see in this world, all the earthquakes, the famines, the hurricanes, The diseases, the COVIDs, the car accidents, the leukemias, the sexual sins, the greed, the anarchy. Is God's call. Repent! Because it's only going to get worse if you don't. It's only going to get worse. What a loving thing for our Heavenly Father to do. To call out to a sinful world. Repent! Adam! Where are you? God, by these various acts of the consequences of sin, by death itself, is a call. It's a call to the hearts of those who are unbelievers. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. It's God's call. See, we look at this in the whole long way. Oh, this is so horrible. Well, yeah, the consequences of sin are horrible. But hear the voice of God. God is giving nations and nations and nations and nations the opportunity to hear His call and repent. For God so loved the world So loved that he gave his son. Listen to me. Listen to me, world. Let me shake your world. 
so that you hear my call. Yes, it's a call of judgment. Yes, it's a call of pain. But it is a call out of the love of the heart and being of God. How loving it was that God showed up in the garden that day. Adam, where are you? How loving it was that God said, Adam, you can't live here anymore. Because if you live here, you're going to eat of that tree of life and And you're going to be forever under death. How loving of God to put at that gate cherubim with flashing swords. Stay away. Stay away. See, we have lost in our society the sense of no. We have lost in our society the sense that no is sometimes the most loving thing we can say. No, you cannot go there. No, you cannot do that. No, you cannot. No, no, no. Instead, we live in a society that is always yes, always yes. Oh, don't say no to your kids getting a cell phone. No, don't say no to your kids going there. Don't say no to your kids doing that. Oh, no, how unloving. What is unloving to always say yes? And to give them all their heart desires because their heart desires that which is evil. We are to love with the love of God that at times needs to shout, No! That at times needs to shout, Hear this wave! Hear this tornado! Someday there's going to be a trumpet call. And you're going to hear that too. And if you are not in Christ, for all eternity, not just for a few moments, not just for a few years of suffering, not just for a few sessions of chemo, but for all of eternity, you're going to be in hell. Hear the loving voice of God. To an unbelieving world. But you say, wait a minute, Pastor Bob. He also calls us, doesn't he? Oh, not in that way. Not in that way. For us, it is God's discipline. It is God's loving rebuke upon our lives. That we might be formed to the glorious image of Christ. He's maturing us. The perfect love of God operating in our lives as we suffer, as we deal with troubles, as we deal with problems, is that which God uses in our hearts, in our lives, to mature us 
in his perfect love. Because he knows. He knows. If I don't do this, Bob, if I don't do this, if I don't do this, you're not going to mature. How? Because he knows all. So God winnows us. God gets rid of the chaff of our lives. So that we ultimately will be conformed to the glorious image of Christ. So we do not fear. We don't fear God's judgments. Even the judgments he brings to the unbelieving world. Because perfect love casts out that fear. And that perfect love of God is that which we flee to. Is that which we run to. Is that which is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help. What the perfect love of God that matures us in our love for others. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your perfect, wondrous, sovereign, holy, pure, complete, fulfilled, finished love for us in and through Jesus Christ. In his name, God's people say, amen. Three